You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. Come out from under your rock. God wants you to enjoy life. John 10.10, he came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. And I want to I continue to walk. I didn't say he, he, he'd make it easy. You didn't hear me say that. I didn't say we wouldn't have challenges. I didn't say there wouldn't be problems. I didn't say there wouldn't be obstacles. But he came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So, you know, we have the opportunity to live in the abundance of God. The abundance of joy, the abundance of peace, the abundance of health, the abundance of righteousness. Or you can choose, if you so, to live in the, the, the poverty, the broke down, the sick, the disgusted, the, the irritated, confused mess of life. And there's a lot of people living there. But I choose not to be one of them. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We've been talking about kingdom financial prosperity. This is lesson 14. And this is part four of multiplied increase. And we're going to continue on uh, with this lesson until we get to the end of it. Amen? We're just going to keep going on uh, and talk about kingdom financial prosperity, just like we did about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual arm. We're just going to go until we get to the end of what the Holy Spirit has for us on this topic. Amen? So let's go over to Romans 13.8 again from the Amplified. Romans 13.8. It says, keep out of debt. Now, again, I say this every week, but that is just plain old good advice. Keep out of debt. Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor and practice in loving others has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow man, meeting all the requirements. Father, I thank you that as a kingdom people, that we are desiring and learning how to keep out of debt so that our only obligation is love, so that we can be kingdom examples to exemplify the life of Jesus Christ to this world. And today as we open your word, we open the written word, we ask, Lord, that you turn this written Logos word into rhema in revealed word to our hearts, that we would grow thereby in order to become a kingdom-centered, a kingdom-purposed people for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's really what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be a, a, a Christ follower. I want to be a kingdom person. I want somebody, you know, that would be a great thing to have on your headstone where they say he or she was a kingdom person. They were all about the kingdom of God. And not, not as, as, you know, as Uncle Lou tried to teach me the kingdom of God, but as God's word teaches me the kingdom of God. For as Jesus' disciples said, your words are life. The word of God is life to all who find it and health to all their flesh. I mean, that's awesome that this word, it's, our, it's literally our instruction manual for life. We all, when we buy a car, you know, we get an instruction manual. It teaches you how to use the radio and make the, those automatic lights work, and, uh, which I still haven't figured out on my 2015 vehicle yet. Uh, well, I'm spending more time reading this manual than the truck manual, you know. Praise the Lord. But this has the instructions for life. 
how we were designed to operate. And so in that, we've been talking about kingdom financial prosperity. We've been talking about the two financial systems. We've been talking about the world financial system or the Babylonian system, the system that's built on debt. And we talked about that for the first few weeks. And now we've been talking about the kingdom financial system. And the kingdom financial system is a system that is designed or built around increase. When God commissioned Adam and Eve... He didn't say, now go and do the best you can. No. He said, go and multiply. Go and increase. They were already living in a land of increase. They were living in Eden. They were living in this garden that God had created for them to tend it. It was a place that supplied all of their needs. And yet God told them to go, be fruitful, and multiply. So God always looks in the term, or thinks in the term, of increase. He has designed mankind to increase. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. Now remember, Jesus did not come preaching salvation. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Because he understood that, that, that if you understood the kingdom of God, you'd want to press in. You'd want to be part of it. You'd want to enter in to the kingdom of God. Some of our great evangelists, and I thank God for all of the souls they've added to the kingdom, have gone about preaching salvation. But Jesus didn't go about preaching salvation. He went about preaching the kingdom of God. God has no financial issues, but debt is robbing God's people from what God has called them to do. It's actually enslaving God's people, making us servants to lenders. Our provision was designed to precede us. See, we're always chasing money in, in the Babylonian system. You know, we're working and, and chasing after the paycheck. But the kingdom system, your income, your increase, your provision was designed to precede you, to go before you. And Jesus said the key is to hear the word and be fully convinced. Remember, Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Romans 4, verse 21. So to do that, we need to be a doer of the word. We need to do what the word teaches us to do. We cannot just be a hearer only. There are a lot of hearers. There are a lot of people that can, that can quote me things that are in the Bible. There are a lot of people who can tell me what the Bible says. But many of those people aren't doing anything with it. To them, it's just knowledge, and they're always wondering why they are not succeeding in life. It's like, Pastor, I understand that the Bible says this. Well, what are you doing? You know, when Elijah found Elisha, what was the key element that, that was in Elisha's life? He was doing. He was plowing, remember, with, with the oxen and, and, and the yoke of oxen? And when the prophet, or when God came into his life, what did he do? It says he killed the oxen and sacrificed them to God, and used the oaks for the fire. I mean, that was, that was his saying, hey, I'm all in. I am fully convinced at your word, Elijah, and I will not leave your side until God takes you home. He was fully convinced. So the king, kingdom financial system, we talked about three basic ways to become debt-free and to begin to build wealth. Uh, and we're, we're talking about the third one right now, multiplied increase. Multiplied increase. And, and we have looked at the fact that, that the thing keeping the church in general from multiplied increase is 
our mindset, the way we think, the way we think about the Bible, the way we think about the kingdom financial system. I grew up in the Catholic Church. My mindset as a child was about being poor. You know what? And it worked. We were poor. <laughs> but we felt godly. And when somebody preached to me the good news at 14 years old, and I heard I didn't have to be poor anymore, it transformed my life. It changed my mindset. The same Bible that, that, that I had learned from as a child, the same scriptures were available to me when I was a kid, but we didn't know them. But when a pastor had the courage to take time to share with us what the Bible said, that what God intended for us, that what his plan for man was, it transformed not only my life, but my brothers, my sisters, and my parents. You can imagine when you find out you don't have to be poor anymore, and you've been poor all your life, or at least lower middle class at best. And so our mindsets need to change. So let's go over to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 again today uh, from this message, this, this message in Luke. Remember, Jesus is here at, at the Sea of Galilee. He comes upon a couple of boats where the guys are washing their nets, and he, he, he convinced Simon Peter. He says, hey, uh, let me borrow your boat. Sit down here and preach to the crowds because the crowds are getting too big. And so Jesus sits down, and he's teaching. And it says, when Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And we talked about how difficult this was because the nets were not on the boat. The nets were on the shore. The nets were being washed. The nets were being mended. The nets were being fixed. The nets were being prepared for the next time they were going to go fishing. And I would imagine, based upon the scripture as we read it, that the crews were on the, on the shore because it says they were washing their nets. They were taking care of business. But Jesus said to them, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have already or we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. See, he, he, he restated to Jesus the problem. Hey, Jesus, this, cat, this going out into the deep isn't as easy as you think. We've already toiled all night. We've already let down our nets, brought up our nets. There was nothing in it. We probably let them down again because we were trying to get something before dawn came up, hauled them up again, caught nothing. We drug these nets off the boat. We've got them up on the shore being washed. And you want us to go out into the deep? Don't you realize we already did that and caught nothing? We even went at the right time, Jesus, with our big commercial fishing nets. We went at night when the fish won't see the nets and swim away. And you want us to go here in the middle of the day and, and let down these nets that are made for fishing at night? See, he stated the problem. And it's all, you know what I've learned in 53 years of life? Is that people have no problem stating to me their problems. They are always quick and easy to see their problem. But the answer doesn't lie in your problem. The answer lies in the miracle. The answer lies in the solution. The answer lies in, in the thing that's going to fix your problem. And so Peter, after hearing Jesus' message, obviously what had happened? Well, faith had been 
built up in him. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith had risen up in Peter's life. And Peter said, even though here is our big problem, Jesus, nevertheless, at your word, we will put in the extra work, we'll put in the extra time to re-outfit this boat and launch out into the deep. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Well, what do you think the problem with that was? Their partners in the other boat had the exact same problem. Their nets were still up on the shore, being fixed and washed. They had to re-outfit their boat. So here you got these guys, their net's full. They can't even bring them up on the boat because they're concerned it'll sink the boat. So they've got to sit here and wait, however long it takes to get the other boat ready and outfitted and out to them. So their partners had to say, we're in too. We heard his message. You're calling us out. There's got to be a reason to go out when it's not time to fish. And they came, and they, it says they filled the boats that they, so that they began to sink. The thing we, we miss oftentimes when we see the story, we celebrate this great miracle that happened. We think, oh, how good God is, and it's so great what he did for, for these fishermen, the, the, this, this fisherman. But there was a resistant force in Peter, James, and John's life. Remember, they were the ones that owned this fishing business. There was a resistant force in their life, and it was a mindset. It was the reason they had their nets up on the bank being washed and not back out fishing when Jesus came. Because their mindset was established to when is the right time to fish, how is the right time to fish, where is the right time to fish. And many times our mindsets or our perceptions of a situation or a circumstance become a resistant force in our life that keep us from experiencing kingdom increase. What about you? Can you think of situations where, where our mindset, we weren't willing to do something? Think of the great inventors, inventors through history and the resistant forces that they had to face in order to come up with things that now we, we think are commonplace. I mean, here we've got LED lighting in this building. But to think if somebody hadn't been willing to fail face resistant forces over a thousand times, the ridicule from colleagues, the disdain of under other people, where would we be? Galileo ended up in prison simply for his theory that the earth was round and not flat. Resistant forces. But he refused because he had empirical evidence that he had, had created based upon his... his um, astrological uh, calculations that there was no way that the earth was flat. It had to be round. It had to be spherical. And that it, the earth circled the sun. And they threw him in jail. Why? Because it was a resistant force in their life. So what about us? You know, I, I know growing, growing up as a young Christian, a lot of times stories that my mentors used to, to tell really helped. And so I thought, you know, I I want to look back on, on a situation or circumstance in my life. I, everybody, I, you know, I've said it many times, we grew up poor. I mean, I had hand-me-down, hand-me-down clothes in school. Um, Mom, you know, when my dad left, he left her with kids and broke, and, you know, she went on to food stamp and worked full-time just to, to keep things going and keep, keep us moving forward. So 
I always had this desire inside of me to do something bigger, but circumstances of life did not necessarily announce to me that things were going to be that way. I was not Dale Carnegie's son, let's put it that way, right? And so when I heard the message that God had a bigger and better plan for me, it transformed, it transformed my life. And it seems like I've been dealing with resistant forces in some area of my life ever since I've been saved. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that part of that is the anointing that God has on our lives, trying to keep us from the destiny God has for us, trying to keep us from bringing souls into the kingdom of God, trying to keep us from being able to, to feed and funnel finances and other ministries that will bring about the kingdom advancement and bring souls into the kingdom of God. But see, God has called us to face, to fight these resistant forces. And if you remember when we were talking about spiritual armor, the Greek word pros, it meant literally come face to face with the resistant forces to overcome them. But see, my mindset had to change. I could not keep the same mindset I had growing up and, be, uh, and have an opportunity to be successful in life. You know, and that's why you know, I really appreciate when I first got saved, Pastor Casey and Wendy Treat, Christian Faith Center up in Seattle, Washington, because he taught extensively on renewing of the mind with biblical principles of how to align our mindset to be like God's mindset or, or, or the biblical mindset that Jesus carried. It impacted my life and transformed my thinking from being less than to be able to be uh, more than. Also, Dr. Bob Harrison. Uh, you know, I become closer friends with Bob than I, than I have Pastor Casey and Wendy. In fact, as uh, Pastor Tina knows Pastor Casey and Wendy uh, much, much better uh, than I do. But Bob Harrison's teaching on, on having a multitude mindset for life has impacted me so deeply and transformed the way I look at things. It has allowed me to overcome obstacles that seem insurmountable. When it would be easy just to say, let's just turn off the lights, lock the doors, and go home. And, but it took time. It took time. Because when I started to learn about this multitude mindset, it taught me and opened up a new way or a new relationship with God to understand the Holy Spirit, to understand the anointing of God, to understand the healing power of God and our healing covenant, to understand spiritual development and kingdom financial increase. It opened that up. Had I stayed with the same mindset that I had had for the first 14 years of my life, and remember when we looked at the empirical evidence that shows that the first five years of your life have a dramatic impact on 85% of the responses that you will give as an adult, it was imperative that I change my mindset. I had to change so that my initial reaction would not be less than, it would be more than. Because we serve a God of increase. In 1985, I started a speed shop. Now, that's not drugs, that's auto parts. Okay? Just be clear. I mean, my other buddies, they were into that other kind of speed. I was in stock cars and, and drag cars and that kind of stuff. But I started, I started a, a speed shop, an auto parts store, in 1985. Really, I started the process in 1983 when I was 17 years old. 
Um, when I, while I was in high school, um, you know, when all the experts said, you can't do this, you can't, you can't do that, you've got you to have $250,000, you've got to get a retail location, you've got to buy all this inventory, you've got to go out to all of the racetracks, you've got to meet all the drivers, you've got you've to connect with all these people, you've got to do all... When they told me all the things that I had to do that they knew I couldn't do and tried to steal my dream, I moved forward anyways. At 17 years old, I heard how many times you can't do that. I've told, been told I don't have the experience, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the finances. But what, we, what I started doing at 17 is fixing up cars with a stock car racing uh, friend of mine. He was much older than I. He worked at a Chrysler dealership. And a lot of times he would get wholesale cars that would come in to the dealership that they were just going to ship up to the auto auction. And we'd, we'd be able to buy them pickups and old, old beaters and stuff. And we'd bring them to the farm, put them in the, in, the, in the barn, and we'd fix them all up. That was also our paint booth for the stock cars and uh, the rest of it. But uh, we, I'd fix them up. And then what we would do is we'd get these catalogs from wholesale companies. And the dealer that he worked for allowed him to order the auto parts from these wholesalers, these speed and custom wholesalers. And so what we would do is we would go out to the race team, teams on you know, Saturday night when we were down at the stock car track uh, racing, or if I was up at uh, you know, um, Seattle Speedway, SIR, Seattle International Raceway, which I think they're shutting down because now the neighbors all moved around. They said it's too noisy. You ever figured that out, JR? You got racetracks out in the middle of nowhere. Everybody buys houses right next to the racetrack and then they complain about it being too loud. I haven't figured it out. But we used to go to these tracks and we'd start to meet the race teams. And we would say, hey, we can sell you stuff cheaper than you can get it at the place where you're buying. We didn't have a store. We didn't have any inventory. But they would say to us, hey, yeah, I need a new set of pistons. I need a new set of lifters for this thing. I need, I need a new carburetor for this. And we'd say, no problem, we'll, we'll, we'll deliver it to you, we'll ship it to you, whatever. And we would take their money, then we would order it, parts would come in. We started doing a catalog sales business when I was 17 years old, in addition to fixing up and selling used cars. And people told me you couldn't do that. They told me you couldn't do that. When I was 18 and going to school down here in Arizona, I started doing the same thing. There's a store, I don't know how many of you have heard of Loper's Performance. They used to have a store here in Mesa, but the original store down on 16th Street and uh, Indian School. And um, they treated me really well. A, a friend of mine I went down here to school with, he and I, we went in there and, and we met some of the owners and stuff. And they actually took us, they took us out to PIR, introduced us to Scott and Connie Coletta, Shirley Mo Downey. I mean, it was, it was awesome. We, and they started selling us stuff wholesale. And so I would go back to the school where I was, and I, the car guys, I would let them know, hey, I can get you this, I can push rods, whatever, and I started selling stuff down here, catalog. They said you couldn't do that. But my mindset was changing. My mindset was changing. When I was 19, back up in Washington, I started a catalog auto parts sales business, and I found these little auto traders. You remember those, they may still have them now, where people advertise their car in these paper things. You know, before Craigslist and eBay and that, eBay Motors and that stuff. And we would buy little ads in there. Engine stands for sale, chrome valve covers. And people would call up and they would buy stuff from us. I remember one time, our, my total inventory probably consisted of two camshafts, a set of lifters, and a set of chrome valve covers. And it was stored in, the, in, our, in our master closet. 
That was my inventory shelf of the stuff that sold the fastest. And people would call, and I would deliver it. And, that, and it grew, and it grew. And then one day I had an incredible opportunity. I got let go, got laid off. I was working as a diesel mechanic, working on big rigs and equipment, and working in a tire shop. Thank God I got laid off. I don't know how many of you have ever done split rim tires, but man, I was doing split rims on semis and stuff. They're dangerous. You have to put them in big cages because sometimes they explode when you're airing them and they kill people. And, uh, and so I got laid off uh, during a, a slow part of the year. But what a blessing. Because now I had time to do my auto parts store. And we rent a, went out and we found an auction company that had a little bit of space in it. And they rented us a little space in the back room of the auction warehouse. Well, within a, within a matter of a few months, we grew so big, we didn't have any more room. And there was a nice sales office up front. The auction company really wasn't using it for anything but storage, and we ended up renting that. And then that grew so big that we ended up moving in and co-renting a place with a muffler company. And so now we're selling auto parts and getting a commission on muffler jobs that we're bringing in from our advertising. And we outgrew that and had to get another building. They said he couldn't do it. Now, had I allowed people to convince me of what I couldn't do, the wisdom of the world, the advice of the skeptics, the experience of the masses, I would have been satisfied with catching nothing and saying, that's just the way it works in the fishing business. Sometimes you catch some, sometimes you don't. But see, I was in a position because I was changing my mindset. Going to church on Sunday, hearing about how God desires that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Going and learning the principles of the kingdom of God. You know what's so amazing to me? You can go pay $5,000 and go to an Anthony Robbins seminar and write down all the notes and then go cross-reference it all here in the Bible. You know, he may or may not know that's where it came from, in fact, as Norval Hayes said in his early days, that he would teach financial seminars right out of Proverbs to secular companies, and they didn't even know it was coming from the Bible. Because there is nothing new under the sun. God created it all, and it's in his word. The hand of the diligent maketh rich, but the hand of the sluggard makes to want, or makes to poverty. I mean, that's a principle that's in the Bible. I didn't have to go pay $5,000 to Tony Robbins to find that out that I should be diligent? No, God said it. But these fishermen, they had circumstances also. In fact, as their circumstances and their reality was, we can't catch fish today. There are no fish. The proper time for fishing had lapsed, so let's quit. But you know what? The whole time, there were still fish in the lake. The blessing was still available. Everything they wanted the whole time was in the lake. Jesus directed them, though, at the right time to the right place. Why? Because Jesus was living in the kingdom financial system. His provision went before him. Well, what do I mean? Matthew 17, 27. I'm sure you remember the story that when Peter asked Jesus about whether or not we're supposed to pay taxes, and Jesus said, why should sons pay taxes? But nevertheless, that we offend them. Go down, cast out your net, and catch some fish. But he said, out of the first one, remove the gold coin to pay our taxes. 
Well, what do you suppose they did with the rest of the fish they caught that day? Well, these are businessmen. They sold the fish, put it in the money bag to give it to Judah so he had something to steal from. Amen? I mean, think about it. People talk about how, how poor Jesus was. He had no place to lay his head. I've been there. I remember one time we took a truck over, delivering a truck for a lease company, got all the way over to L.A., for whatever reason, missed the connection with the guy I was supposed to meet there, and here I am. I'm in L.A. and got no place to lay my head. So we had to turn around and come back to Phoenix. Jesus had a money bag, a money box, had so much money in it they had to elect a treasurer, had so much money in it the treasurer was stealing from it, and nobody knew it. Now, I tell you what. When my wallet is completely packed with $100 bills, and I give it to somebody, and they give it back to me, I know whether there's $100 bills missing out of that thing. These guys had so much money, it says, that Judas was a thief, he was stealing money out of the treasury, and they didn't even know it. The Bible says, historically, that there were women of means that had great riches, great wealth, that followed Jesus around as part of his, his ministry team and provided substance for everything that they needed. In fact, as Jesus was such a giver and they gave so much money to the poor, the night of the Passover, when Judas left the Passover dinner in the middle of the night, the apostles thought Judas was going to give something to the poor. Now, you don't get that kind of reputation of giving to the poor and taking care of the poor unless you've got some money to be given them. That when one person on your staff, like Frank's leaving, you know, could you imagine if, if somebody said, oh, yeah, Frank's going out, he's probably going to find poor people to give something to. I mean, it would be the same way. That's what they said about Jesus' treasurer. He must be going out to feed the poor. Jesus' provision went before him. Have you ever gone through a season of lack, a, a, a season of challenge, uh, you know, ailments, pressure? I mean, we all have. I mean, I have. Oftentimes, people think that there's nothing you can do about it. I must accept it. I mean, that's, that's really what a lot of times, you know, I was just made this way. This is just the way it works in our family. It's what happened to mom and dad. Well, I knew the pink slip was coming. In reality, all of the supply... All of the blessing, all of the increase wanted, everything that we need is swimming all around us in our lake of life. We just need to get hold of it. As I've traveled on missions around the world, I've gone, gone to some of the poorest places around the world, and you know what I find in every one of those extremely poor and destitute places? Rich people. I do. They're building towers as, as high as you can see, 50, 60-story towers. Right down, right down, last time I was in Manila, I'm right down in this park where there's homeless people everywhere. We're feeding them, we're praying for them, we're, we're sharing the gospel with them. And you just turn slightly and you see a 40-story building. Why? Because all of the supply that is ever needed is always swimming around us. It's our mindset that tells us that it's not for us. It's our mindset that tells us that we can't have it. Think about Steve Jobs. He's a dropout from college. You will never become anything. You can't even afford a proper place to test your electronics. You've got to do it in your garage. Is there anybody in here who does not know who Steve Jobs is? Why? Because he changed his mindset. He started to believe that he could do something instead of believing what he couldn't do, what everybody else told him was impossible. See, God is trying to get us to make some adjustments, make changes. 
so that he can get us to boat sinking increase, so that he can get us to the blessing. Do you know one of the things that was a key to, to Simon Peter receiving the blessing? I mean, think about it. Peter, James, and John, what was the key for them getting the blessing? Would they have received the blessing had they just been hired hands? Think about it. If Peter had been there, heard Jesus' message, and Jesus said, hey, launch out in the deep, and Peter launched out the deep, dropped down the nets, caught all of the fish, waved the other boat out, and they brought all this fish in. But Matthew, the tax collector, or Zacchaeus, you know, just those are names that you would know from the Bible, right? Maybe they were the owners of the boat. What would Peter, James, and John get? They may get a commission from it. But what was the key to them receiving supernatural increase? They were the owners of the business. They were the owners of the business. And it's amazing to me how many times Jesus went and found people who were in positions that, they're, that, that he, he, I'm assuming, felt that he could, could rapidly change their mindset. Because remember, Jesus was only going to be three years. He needed people he could connect with. So he found a tax collector. They said, hey, how can you sup with sinners? Jesus said, today salvation has come to this household. Why? Because he brought him a mind-changing message of faith. So the key was, for the, for the um, you know, disciples, for Peter, James, and John, even before they were Jesus' disciples, the key was, they were in a position to receive the blessing of God. Many times we don't put ourselves in a position to receive the blessing of God. Sometimes it's by our attitude. Trust me, I've had people work for me. I wouldn't want to give them a raise. Even, you know, you got this chart, okay, this many months, then you give them this percent raise. And yet, I've had people that worked for me that I've tried to figure out how can I get them to go somewhere else. I'm not looking for how to bless them. And I've had other people that I've wanted to move up the chain quickly. Why? Because they're bringing benefit. They're bringing blessing. They're, they're, bringing, they're flourishing. Their, their mindset is, is one of growth or one of increase. I've worked with people and come in to the office and every bad thing that could happen possibly or could be thought of could happen would come out of their mouth. Well, here's why it's not going to be good today. I just heard on the news this and, and we're probably not going to have any customers today because of this. And, and if you do that, no, I'm just like, woo, time out. I'm already on overload and it's only seven in the morning. Their minds had to be changed. We have to change our mindsets. When their mindsets changed, their actions changed, their life changed, the results changed, and their legacy changed. See, when their mindset of, hey, we, f we fished and there are no fish today, changed, and they launched out in the deep and dropped their nets, it changed their lives, it changed their futures, and it changed their legacy. When they followed Jesus' instructions, it changed them more than just spiritually. They were changed completely. They were changed completely. And that is what the message of the kingdom of God is. It's not about just changing you spiritually. See, the message of salvation is just about changing you spiritually. The message of the kingdom is about changing you totally, completely, spiritually, physically, financially, so that you can be a blessing to the, to the kingdom of God and to others. The whole promise of the covenant that was given to Moses was not only about blessing Israel, but it was also about blessing the sojourner. It was about being more, being a, a, an outflow, because love always flows out. So their, mind their mindset changed when they heard the word that Jesus taught and became fully convinced. He said, at your word, Lord, I'll let down your nets. 
So why do they receive multiplied increase? See, most Christians will never be in a place to receive the, the, the you know, or contain net-breaking, boat-sinking, mind-changing increase. Most Christians never will because they never transform from being a Christian to being a believer. They're a follower of Christ. They've received Jesus, but they really don't believe what he said because if they believed what he said, they'd do what he said. See, these fishermen, they had a, an objective and a plan. You probably have an objective and a plan. But they didn't understand the resistant forces, and we're always up against resistant forces. And many times, as believers, those resistance forces keep us from believing God. Remember, Abraham was fully convinced. Peter had to become fully convinced. So why don't most Christians, why won't they ever receive it? Because they don't have any power. They don't have any anointing. They don't have the rubbing of God on the area of prosperity in their life. And we won't, we won't either until we become fully convinced and realize that what God said is true and that he is the God, the God of the multiplied increase. Not for others, but for your life. I mean, it's easy to look at somebody else and go, oh, yeah, the multiplied increase, that's for pastor because, you know, he's probably really close to God. Remember, I used to sit in your seats. This isn't an elevated spot. This is a different anointing that God has put on me. Every day I get up and walk outside the doors of my house to do the things that I have to do. I do them in the business area and I do them in the ministry area. I have to be fully convinced that what God has said he will do. Most Christians miss the kingdom financial blessing because they give into the resistant force of scarcity. The resistant force of scarcity. They don't think that there's enough. And because they give into the resistant force of scarcity, they don't tithe. And we're going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. Because they think if they tithe, they'll have less than. And yet God says, if you, if you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven. Because of scarcity, most people don't give. Most Christians don't give. I, I, I have seen the statistics and the studies. And why? Because most Christians believe that what they have is only what their job provides or only what was left to them or only what the government provides them. They have a scarcity mentality. So they don't, become, they don't give. They don't give offerings. They don't give first fruits. They don't give alms. They don't give missions. I don't know how many of you were here on Thursday night and heard Pastor Tina's testimony, but man, it was powerful with the area of talking about uh, you, you know, a lifestyle of a giver. There is difference between somebody who gives and somebody who's a giver. See, a giver is always looking for every opportunity to give. Having all abundance in all things and have an abundance to give into every good work. 2 Corinthians 9.8. A giver is always looking for an opportunity. My wife and I, we travel and help a lot of ministries out. You know, there are some times that I say, no, I'm not going to that because I, we're not going to be able to take a gift with us. Now, yeah, we could take 50 or or $100. But you know what? If I'm spending $800 on a hotel and $500 on airfare to get there, what makes the airline and the hotel company worth more than God? When I show up, why shouldn't I be able to put $1,000 or $1,300 into the offering of the ministry I'm going to? See, many of us, we spend more time thinking about how we can accomplish the things we're doing. Hey, I want to go on a trip to Toronto, and you put it all together, and you spend five, $6,000, and I think people should have vacations and go some places. But the difference between giving and being a giver is a giver says, hey, look, if I'm going to spend 5000 going on this vacation, I want to be able to put 5000 into the gospel. Now, thank God that you've, you've gotten to the heart of giving if you're there, but typically it's scarcity. Pastor, people give $5,000? Oh, yeah. 
I've got a good friend of mine, when he introduces himself, he introduces himself as a professional giver. What do you do for a living? I'm a professional giver. Well, you give away $800,000 a year. You may be considered a professional giver, you know? But he didn't get there overnight. None of us do. But we have to change our mindset from a scarcity mindset into an abundance mindset and realize that everything we need is swimming around us and it is waiting to fill our nets with boat sinking increase. Every day, people work hard. They create inventions. They, they inherit great wealth. They do these things, but they don't get the blessings that come with abundance of increase, which are peace, joy. I mean, I know people that make a lot of money, but they have to go home and, and have three or four drinks at night just to calm themselves down. They have to get their medical marijuana card so that they can... I mean, I know we laugh about it, but it's true. They have money, but they don't have peace. And see, when you get to the point of when you're a giver, when you, when you get to the point of where you give and you get rid of this scarcity, you, you start becoming a doer of the word. What is a doer of the word? It's one who is fully convinced that what God promised he will do. Well, pastor, I gave and I didn't get anything back right away. Well, I didn't say how long it would take. Praise the Lord, I've been doing this for 35 years. Sometimes it takes a little while. Most of the people that I hear say, well, I tried that giving thing and it doesn't work. See, they weren't fully convinced. I don't know how many of you uh, were athletes, whether, you know, basketball, volleyball, baseball, football, whatever it is. But I tell you what, if you were going to be a top athlete, you had to be fully convinced. Because if you weren't fully convinced, you were always on the losing sideline. I remember running lines. I thought my lungs were going to explode. But I was fully convinced that putting in the time would make me a better athlete and give my team a chance to win. I was fully convinced. I was willing to do it in the natural arena. When I played baseball, we'd get done with practices and I would go run lines. I would go to the batting cage. I'd spend extra time taking infield. Well, if I can do it in the natural, I can be fully convinced that, it, that a coach telling me that if you put in the extra time, you, you will be better, you will be good enough to be able to play and to be on the starting team, God is saying the same thing. He says, look, at, just do what I've told you to do and you'll be on the starting team in the area of life, whether it's physically, financially, or spiritually. When we become fully convinced, time doesn't matter. What matters is God's promise. When we get fully convinced, that's when things change in our life. That's when things change. And that's when we see supernatural uh, increase. See, God has promised us that we could prosper and they would add no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22. It says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That's a promise. But when you do it God's way, you get there better. You get there stronger. You get there more spiritually, with more peace, and more contentment. But you've got to be convicted. You've got to be convinced. We cannot continue to believe that lack, poverty, sickness confusion, the struggles of life are the destiny of you as a believer. We have to be convinced that what God said, that we should prosper physically, spiritually, financially, that he has designed us to live in health, that he has designed us to have families that, that, that are strong and that our children will not depart from the way that we have trained them and raised them. When we, full, we get fully convinced, we'll begin to experience the life that God has designed for us. A life of net breaking, boat sinking, life changing, double portion, multiplied increase in every area of life. And that's what God 
intends for us. That's his covenant for us. I mean, that's what's so awesome about the covenant of Abraham, that he said that if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heir according to the covenant. It's a covenant of blessing for us, the church. Why? So that we can prosper. That we can prosper so we can have enough to meet our needs and have enough left over to meet the needs of the world. That's what this is about. This isn't about having 10 mansions and you know, 15 Ferraris. This is about being able to have all of your needs met and be able to meet the needs of the world. And God loves to do it with boat sinking, net breaking increase. Because he is the God of increase. Amen? Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.